to splainin'. That was very boomy. Like, too boomy? <laughs> no, really good. Oh, I thought you meant like... like... Welcome. Could you do it once more. Welcome to Splainin', the podcast where two guys explain things to each other. That they should know. But don't. I'm Gaston. And I'm Mufasa. <laughs> I like this. We should do a full episode in character. Those characters specifically? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Gaston Mufasa. That would be an interesting pair. Be a very interesting pair. Because they're both kind of like alpha-y, but in different ways. Like one is very authentically alpha, and it's like yes. as a pure leader yep. of their group, and Gaston's just a douche. I mean, he is a leader of his group, though. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I guess so. His group just happened to be tits. Angry Frenchmen. Yeah. Uh, we didn't say who we actually are, but I, they know by now, don't they? And if you didn't... That's Jeff Sims. And that is Evan Smith. Mm. And welcome, Jeff. Welcome and to... And all. To at a- all. <laughs> <laughs> to another amazing episode. We are on episode Fizor of season three. Threzor. It is now October. It is October 3rd, which is uh, internationally known as Mean Girls Day. Is it? Yeah, get in the car, bitch. We're going shopping. If they say the date at some point during that scene? Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Oh. He asks for the time oh. on that date, and she's like, oh my god, he, Aaron asked the date or the time. On October 3rd. October oh, 3rd, yeah. Get in the car, bitch, we're going shopping. Nice. Get in the car, bitch, we're going shopping. Mean Girls Day. Iconic movie. Very much so. Very quotable, even though I could only do that one quote. Potent potables. Uh, you Can't Sit With Us. Yeah. Uh, none for Glenn Coco. We quote that probably once a week. Or no, no, none for Gretchen Wieners. Yeah. Three for, Three for Glenn you, Coco. Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> We might have referenced that last week in the podcast. Did we actually? Maybe. I think so. I don't know. I worked with, um, on a show, the the woman who choreographed the Jingle Bell Rock dance in that movie directed a show that I once did. My God. I know. Isn't that weird? That's famous. Kind of. I mean, it's, you know, it as, makes as, it... as, it's, it's like a, just like a sexy Christmas dance. It's like, you know. Yeah. It, it takes the, um, you know, six, what is it? levels of separation between every person on the planet mm-hmm. like it when you when you do that you're like okay well okay i've worked with donna yeah donna worked with tina fey yeah. Anna polar Lindsay lohan now yeah. i'm only two degrees away from them yeah so everyone they know i'm only three degrees away from yeah right so it's like it, it does google's wild by. google's wild by yeah 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 it really is but i do love i wonder how Lindsay lohan's doing sorry to interrupt I you but i think myself. it's important for us to, to I'll, just i'll call her up and see yeah. Now that I know. Speaking of, and I, oh God, I hate the associative mind for bringing me this way. Okay. But it's very obvious the track I went. Naked Crab Walk Down the Stairs? <laughs> the Family Guy episode? It's like, that's more uncommon <laughs> than a Lindsay Lohan doing a Naked Crab Walk Down the Stairs. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the creepiest thing. That's very creepy. Yeah. Uh, that's not where I was going. Uh, we watched um, another Britney Spears documentary. Oh. It was called Britney versus Spears, which is like a very like real good topic. Like, because like Spears title. is her surname, which yeah, means it's her, her father's father. name. And yeah. yeah. It was really, really good. Uh, it The documentary isn't like new information, the one that we saw on Amazon and the one that we like okay. for the episode that we talked about. Right. But there have been a lot of <clears throat> updates uh, with the conservatorship that the father has stepped away from the conservatorship. Yes. Which is but now, huge. I heard it on CBC News, like on like when I listened to CBC two in the morning, like it was on the news and it was like, like the 65 year old man that you are. No, no, no. Like the, it's like hip Canadian music in the mornings. It is. It's like, it's hip Canadian music, folks. CBC radio two. It is. It really is. (laughs) Um, 
Oh, God, shut <laughs> You're up. aging yourself. It's real hip Canadian classics. It's like new music. Like there's a top 40 of, 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 of CBC2. Of, of hip Canadian folk songs. Absolutely, man. I'm Not with you. folk songs. Traditional hip Canadian like music. Like Lake Street Dive and stuff like that are on there. Yeah, yeah. Like, buddy, where's my lumber jacket? You are a piece of literal poo-poo. Yeah. My um, good neighbor, bud, please pass my axe. Okay. Oh, boy, have you seen that moose? Oh. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> and other hits like, roll up the rim to win. <laughs> what was I talking about? I don't even care. Oh, Britney Spears okay. news thing. Yes. And they were talking about it, and they were like, yeah, she, he's stepping back, but we don't know when this we, is going to be official. And we don't know who's taking over the conservatorship or right. if it's going to be yeah. null and void. But right. she did post some risque pictures on Instagram. That she couldn't have posted before, you mean? No, it's just just the fact that she posted risque photos. She's oh. naked in all of them. Okay. And she's just like holding her body parts so that you can't see them. Right. And then there's like little flowers near areas where she couldn't hold because she only has two, two arms. Hands. Yeah. And like, they're risque. Hmm? They're risque Britney. Risque Britney. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But uh, I think very soon, um, I guess whenever it is finalized... Uh, we should do like a little update, like because I think like we're getting closer to like actually like the conservatorship is being right. ended. Maybe we can get her on. Uh, it's it's yeah. very probable. Her and yeah. Lindsay Lohan actually. Double episode. Double episode. We got four channels on the board, and we do. Yep. Yep. Never used them all. Not yet. Could we? Could absolutely we could. Um, Speaking of, sorry, do you have something you'd like to say? Uh, not really. I guess I don't know. Maybe. Well, no, no. I insist, please. I was just going to go back to talking about October and how I love October. This is a great month. <laughs> so really, I guess I didn't really have much to You're say. You're right. Yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> but I do love October. Like, I love fall. Yeah. I've never loved fall. Oh, how? I, I'm just, I just never loved it. But like, I, like, weather-wise, I love it because it's starting to cool down. So like, this house, like, the house that we're in now is like, mm. it gets very warm and muggy. It doesn't have good, like, air circulation. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, conversation just got very dull. I brought it there. It's not your fault. I'm just trying to say that the weather, when it cools down, it makes my house more comfortable. I can right. sleep at night better. Well, that's good. I'm yeah. I'm happy for you and you're sleeping at night. Are you? Because mm-hmm. you just said it was dull. I did. I did say that. Yeah. And I felt that it cut you. It did. And I now apologize. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. I know. I know. Um, what were you going to say? Well, now I can't remember. <laughs> I find winter to be the <laughs> ultimate season. Due to the temperature exchange <laughs> in our home. These pants are made of wool. <laughs> it's Evan, got really warm. Okay, actually, you know what? Some people might be able to see what he's wearing. Are you wearing wool pants, they were a dress shirt, and a beautiful maroon cardigan? Is this maroon? Yeah, or it's more of a purpley than a darker red, but it's definitely like a... yeah. It's like a like a nine crimes. Oh, you have nine crimes. Nine there. crimes. It's like a darker cab it kind is. of color, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, or a blend, if you so will. So you are perfectly dressed for CBC Radio Two. <laughs> you just need to put it on some morning before nine thirty. Nine thirty they start tempo and classical comes on. But it's yeah. like Before it, then it's the hip Canadian trendy tunes. App dude, I'm not disagreeing with you. You are. You I'm don't not. know. I do know. You don't. You don't understand what I'm trying to say about like it's new like it's not like yeah the classic it's hit, not Nicki Minaj ex- no 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 it's the classic hit, excuse me there sorry I'm just trying to pass you there in the chip alley those famous Canadian classic hip tunes are played on CBC Radio 2 and it's okay I have a correction from last week <laughs> in talking about got him. 
I don't know how we got there. We were talking about Forrest Gump. And Great we said something about Bubba Gump. And yep. you're like, yeah, it's Forrest. And, oh, we were talking about Vietnam. Yeah. We said how Lieutenant Dan went there. And you're like, well, also, Forrest and Bubba Gump also went there. Yeah. Bubba's name is not Bubba Gump. No, it's not. No. no. And I was like, I know that Jeff knows this, but yeah. at the time, it didn't occur to me when I was listening back. I was like, no, no, no. Bubba Gump is the shrimping company. Correct. I, d- I can't remember his last name, though. I couldn't either. So I but I do up. know it's not Gump. It's Blue. His name is Benjamin Buford Blue. And they called him Bubba. And they called him Bubba. Yeah. I love that. I know. Yeah. But I was like, I do, do you know what else I love is that there's a Bubba Gump restaurant. Like it's an actual franchise. In Canada. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, it's in the States oh, too. A chain. Oh. It's in the States. Actually, I think it's exclusively in the States. I don't think it's in Canada. No, there is. Because I looked when I looked today. Oh, yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I've only ever seen it in like I think it's in Florida and in uh, some airports and stuff like that. But I've never right. actually seen it anywhere else. I think it's in Alberta. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not, but I did. I didn't go into it. But when I saw it, it looked like it was in Canada as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's all. Things I, you know. The more you know. Jeff, there's another exciting thing coming up. Tell me. It is our first live episode. Yeah. It's very exciting. I'm super excited about it, actually. You know what I'm excited about? Tell me. Not having to do more work that week. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we gotta, we're gonna coast on it for two weeks. Exactly. We yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can't watch, so it's gonna be uh, October fifteenth. October fifteenth. It's gonna be live on Facebook. Seven p.m. Seven p.m. Right? Yeah, I think so. Well, it, it is now. We would love for you to get in there yep. and talk to us virtually. Yep. Um, we're gonna be doing a real episode. Yep. It's gonna be just like this, but it's gonna be accessible live through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have some great conversations. It's the night before Jeff gets married. Yeah. So there's and gonna be a lot of anxiety. Ex- oh, a lot of anxiety. I'm gonna love it. Yep. And the other thing is, if you can't watch it that evening, that's yep. fine. I mean, it'll live to be watched later because that's how Facebook Live works. Yeah. Also, the next week, the 22nd, we will be releasing the audio to that episode. Yeah. So you can still listen if you're like, I'm not a watch podcast kind of gal or guy, but mm. mostly gal. because 87% of them. Yeah. 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 I don't know what the new statistic is, but it's it's high 80s. Yeah. Um, so you can just listen to it. Yeah. As you normally would. Absolutely. So please join us. Mark it in your calendars. October 15th at 7 p.m. Facebook Live. Mark it in yours as well. What? Just in case you forget and like you make plans. And you're like, I likely, well, I've already made plans with you. You're right. So you, I better just, put it in my book. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. We just simply have to be there and be like, I think we have something to do at 7 p.m. And like Peter McDonald will write us, be like, hey guys, I'm just sitting here waiting. <laughs> yeah. At 6 50, he's like, oh, guys, I can't find the link. Yeah. <laughs> right to Strat. Um, oh, Peter Andrew. What a gem by. What a gem of a human. He's also making a comeback. Yes. We haven't talked to him about this. but Well, like... I, I mentioned it to him. Oh, okay. I mentioned it to him. I said, uh, and actually, you know what? Do you know what I love? If you folk know of a, a, a or have a topic that you would love Pete to explain to Ooh, us. Oh, challenge. Yeah. Love that. Message him. Um, I'll give you his civic address. You can write him na- mail or, or, or stalk him, whatever you'd prefer. Yeah, P.O. Uh, box. Exactly, yeah. Or uh, more importantly, email us at info.splainit at gmail.com because he is coming back this season. It's locked in. Yeah. Uh, he just needs to find out what he's going to explain. So yeah. if you have a topic you'd love for him to do. Him, he may have an idea. I don't know. Him exclusively. Yeah. Um, let us know. Let him know. 100% make it happen. I would love that. And, you know, uh, in the interest of making things happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it is very important to us that our podcast is accessible to new listeners. It is. And in order to do that, we need to get to the top of the charts. Tip top. And in order to get to there, uh, we would love it if after you finish this episode, you go rate and review this episode and the podcast and let everyone know what you think. 
hit up Apple Podcast app. Let's do it. Evan, would you like to explain something to me? Jeff, I really would. And I appreciate you asking. Yeah. And I appreciate you being here with me now for this moment. Aww. Because lots of times people don't take the time to listen to each other in life, you know? Active listening and empathetic language is the foundation for good communication and friendship. No. That was beautiful. That was felt crafted in a way. Almost. Almost crafted. I'm a bullshit artist. You are. We haven't done a bullshit in a while. <gasps> you have one tonight, don't you? That's why it's on your mind. Ooh. Well, no, I don't. I'm going to talk to you now, Jeff, about... I actually have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> don't you? I have zero oh, idea. I know what you're doing, and I have literally no understanding of what it is. And neither did I. I looked at the, the document of like all of our episodes yeah. and what we're doing, and I was like... What in the Joe Bat's arm is this? Well, the, my student of mine mentioned it because I yeah. mentioned that I had a podcast, and uh-huh. she was like, "Oh, have you heard of the Amber Room?" <laughs> you're, like, doing, you're doing shameful plugs to your students. Yeah. <laughs> great like, work today, Susie, and don't forget to check out Splain in the podcast. I think you're I, doing great. I think I had a cancellation before she came in, or something, or like anyway, whatever it was. I think I was editing it or whatever. She's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I explained." Anyway, and she was like, "Oh, have you heard about the Amber Room?" And I was like, "No, I have no idea what that is." And she's like, "I've heard about it on another podcast." Yeah. She's like, "You guys should do it then," because I explained. Her, to her the premise yeah and uh, so I, anyway i know nothing about it i purposely was like jeff's gonna explain it to me i'm not even gonna look up what it is and i did the same thing i had no idea until i juggled it yeah yeah but that's we're not there yet no we are at i don't know why you just yelled continuing on our long uh light long life interest of natural disasters long list of english queens queens uh today we have earthquakes and their very first cousins tsunamis 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 uh, so to properly understand these natural disasters, we first need to understand the construction of the Earth. Ooh. Starting from the inside out, the inner core, it's solid. Picture this. It's solid, mm-hmm. spherical. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's like a little ball inside of us all, you okay. know? It has a, radius. a little ball of light yeah. inside us all. Name like, that movie. I'm saying your name. And a little ball of light traveled inside me. And I oh. knew if I apparated. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Or is it Part 2? Uh, it's Part 1. Great. Uh, it has uh, a ra- <laughs> doesn't matter. It has a, ra- <laughs> it has a radius of 1,250 kilometers. So it's not actually a little ball. It's fairly substantial. 1,250? Right. So 1,250 kilometers is, is the mantle a, or the, the, the... The radius from one point to the other. Wow. Oh, wait. Radius... No, if it's radius, it's only... It's half. It's half. So it would be twice... It's 2,500 kilometers diameter. Correct. Right. Yeah, okay. So then... I also don't understand... Like, sorry to interrupt, because you're obviously trying to get going. I'm trying. (laughs) Failing miserably, but trying. (laughs) Why do we have radius and diameter? Like, in what mathematical situation are they like, man, you know what we'd really need? Half of this number. There is a bunch of reasons. I I think only because... Very frequently, you're measuring from the outside to the center. So they just needed a term for half of the diameter. So they just called it a radius. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it just stemmed from, like, rather than saying half of the diameter every time, they're like, let's just give that its own word, radius. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I know, like, a lot of mathematical equations are, like, R squared equals blah, blah, blah. blah. So, like, I I know it is used mathematically. I think it's to take one step out of the formula. Like, D slash 2 equals blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. That was just Um, a thought. So it's approximately the distance from St. John's to Quebec City, just mm. the radius. Yep. Uh, the temperature of Earth's inner core ranges from 4,500 to 5,500 degrees Celsius, <sighs> which is about the temperature at the surface of the sun. 
That's wild. Yep. Uh, with a pressure of about 300 to 360 gigapascals, which doesn't really mean anything to me, but I would imagine it's like the same thing as getting a really good hug from Larry. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like 300 to 360 gigapascals. He could crush the living he, shit out yeah, of you. He would squat you like a yeah. goddamn He'll bug. never hug me, so it doesn't matter. No, no, that's something you All do he not have to worry yourself he about. Might. It depends on how good your speech is. If you make some cry, I'm or if you cry, I mean, you're going to well, cry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Actually, the, the question is, if I cry too much, he won't hug me. He'll yeah, be like, oh, okay. it'll be uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable. Yeah. It might be uncomfortable. You need one slow tear. Yeah. Yeah. No, you need that one moment where you go, and you take the second, and yep. then you come you back stronger than you were before, and people are like, oh, that's perseverance. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need. Uh, the Earth's inner core is believed to be comprised of an iron-nickel alloy with some other elements. What we know about the Earth's inner core comes mostly from analysis of seismic waves and Earth's magnetic field. Because, you know, we can't dig into it, so we don't know much. Hmm. Uh, moving outwards, we then come to the outer core, which is about 2,200 kilometers thick. Because obviously from this point on, the first thing is a circle. Everything else is just a layer around the circle. Yeah. So we're talking thickness. Like a jawbreaker. Exactly like a jawbreaker, Jeff. Thank you. With a temperature equivalent to that of the inner core. So they're the same. You could say the temperatures are correlated. Waka waka. <laughs> Chewbacca. Similarly to the, <laughs> similarly to the inner core, the outer core is comprised mostly of iron and nickel. But rather than a solid layer, the outer core is actually liquid. Oh, yeah, I liquid know. what? Iron? Mostly iron and nickel. Iron. Iron. Um, after that, there's the mantle layer, which is about 2,900 kilometers in thickness. Yeah. The mantle is composed of silicate rocks, and while this layer is solid, the mantle's extremely hot silicate material can flow over long time scales. So it's not liquid, but it's like just on the cusp. So mm. it, it's like solids that do move slowly. Gross. Yeah, kind of. Like, like a gelatin. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a pudding. Like a chocolate dessert. Mm. Like, like a... Like <laughs> a, a a meringue. Oh, that's perfect. It's like a lemon uh, meringue pie. Fluffy. Uh, convection of the mantle propels mm. the motion of the tectonic plates in the crust, which we haven't got to yet, but presumably you remember from grade six that there are tectonic plates. Yeah. The source of heat that drives the motion is the heat left over from the planet's formation. Still hot. Yeah, still hot. And which is also renewed by radioactive decay of uranium, thorium, and potassium in the Earth's crust and mantle. Because you got to eat bananas, bananas down right? there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, this layer makes up for about 84% of Earth's total volume, the mantle. So, like, not unlike the human body, like, if the inner core and the outer core are like your Organs. bones and your muscles, that's, the mantle's the fat. Yeah. Right? 84% yeah. of your total mass <laughs> is the mantle. And then we get to the outermost layer, the skin over the fat, mm. the crust. The, which oh, I didn't like. I didn't like it either. The, the way I the crust. Yes, crust. Mm. Oh, why did you do that, man? I don't know. The crust is equivalent in thickness to that of an apple's skin. Mm. It makes up one percent of the Earth's total mass. Which oh, is what like, a great analogy, right? Like the the Every, layer of it. All land. Wow. And like like a little bit under the land too, like yeah, the crust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one percent. The crust ranges from five kilometers to seventy kilometers in depth. The thinnest parts are the oceanic crust, while the thicker is the continental crust. <laughs> I need to stop saying crust. Continental crust and the oceanic crust. <laughs> These are the thinnest crust in the world. Do, do. <laughs> Unlike the other layers, the Earth's crust is not a single self-contained thing. It is made up of plates, 
tectonic ones to be exact, geologists generally agree that there are 19 or 20 plates on the Earth, and they work like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. There are further descriptions of the plates splitting them into categories as well. Seven major tectonic plates, meaning plates that are at least 20 million kilometers squared. So they're dimmed as the big ones. They're more or less just the continents. Like Mm -hmm. they have like the North American plate and the whatever plate. The Pacific Ocean has its own. Yeah. Which is like 100 million kilometers squared or something. Anyway. (sighs) Uh, Also, there are 15 minor plates that are recognized by some. And then there are some micro plates, which are up for debate on whether they should be considered portions at all. Uh, most videos I watched, though, said 19 or 20 plates are recognized, which would be about the sum of the major plates and the minor plates added together. No one's paying any heed to the macro. <laughs> Micro. So these plates are just sitting on the mantle. The mantle is moving due to the old earth formation energy. Yeah. And therefore, the plates are moving about 1 to 10 centimeters per year. Okay. Okay. These plates are just floating around slow as molasses, like Be Our Guest style. Like, yeah. in anybody's way, they're just like... Course by course, <laughs> one by one, all we only love to serve. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. Crust. Crust. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, while the, cops do, while the cops do their soft shoe and they'll be bubbling, they'll be brewing. Uh, like anything in motion, the plates smack into each other from time to time. You know, like things in motion. Yeah. Whenever these plates slip, bump, or si- slide along another plate, it's called a fault. Or the fault plane. It's, it's their fault. <laughs> the faults in our plates. Uh, well done. Thanks. This happens constantly. It's just that most of the time we don't feel it as the waves are too small to reach the surface. Mm. Now, there are some terms we need to get out of the way before we continue. Yep. If you had done it, they would all be very pertinent to your like geo grade 11 test. But you didn't do it, which we've talked about far too many times. But I times. did like, like science 1101. Yeah. But this is very geo-y. Like you would have got in depth. All right. Come on then. Uh, the point below the surface where the faults occur is called the hypocenter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> and directly above that, where the Earth is felt on the surface, is referred to as the. Come on, the hyper. No. The thalamus. Epicenter. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The Toronto epicenter. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three kinds of earthquakes that can occur. Mm-hmm. Convergent boundary, ooh. where one plate is forced over another. So if they're like, ooh, oh, sorry, there, microphone being forced into my mouth. Uh, it's like... <laughs> Shut out of the crowd at home. Thank you. Uh, it's referred to as a thrust fault. Interesting. This is how a lot of hills and mountains have formed over the millennia. Oh, like big ones or small ones? Or some as big as your head? I don't I know. I mean, it says some hills and mountains. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, like it was, was Everest. Hill, like... Right. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Uh, divergent boundary is another type. When plates drift apart from each other. So the opposite. They form a rift zone. Oh, does that like it pulls the land underneath it? It pulls the land apart from each other. The two tectonic plates move apart. Okay. So there's no land in the middle. It gives birth to new ocean floors. Oh. Or flows. I'm not sure because, because the video I was watching was a YouTube. Was <laughs> no, New it was a woman flows. who did, didn't have the best English. She was Indian, mm. and the subtitle said "flows," but my heart felt like <laughs> she was saying "ocean floors." It's, I think it's "floors" yeah. from the sounds of it. And lastly, a transform fault. This is when the plates slip by each other. It's also referred to as a strike slip when they physically just like touch. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. <laughs> When I have to start an earthquake and kill a bunch of Sometimes people. when we touch, I get this feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we touch. Uh, when these three events occur, a great deal of energy is released. This energy is released in waves. Wave over wave. We're back to it. And there are two types of waves. Body waves. Body waves. <laughs> and surface waves. 
Surface waves. <laughs> Body waves travel through the interior with Al Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Yeah, thank you. Body waves travel through the interior of the Earth along paths controlled by the material properties in terms of density and stiffness, which sounds like a copy and paste to me, Jeff. So essentially, <laughs> they travel through the spots where they can. Wherever the temperature <laughs> to dumb it down yeah, appropriately. Yeah, let me... Wherever the temperature or stiffness of the ground allows them to travel, that's where they come up. If the ground's too hard, it can't get up through, so it doesn't. Yeah. Which is essentially what that sentence meant. Sure. Which is why earthquakes happen more frequently in similar places. Like yeah. you know? Uh, it's the energy escaping in whatever places it is usually allowed to. Yeah, like a pimple. Like a pimple. Which I have on the inside of like the lid of my nose Ooh. oh it's real bad like if i like just do this and like wipe my nose it's like Ugh. and we'll just don't well sometimes you gotta give your mustache a little strike shaft or whatever it's called what's it called <laughs> strike strike slip a transform fault um there are two types of body waves body waves uh primary and secondary primary waves or p waves p for primary thanks thanks are compressional waves that are longitudinal in nature. Love that word. Longitudinal? Yeah. Yeah. These pressure waves travel faster than any other. They can travel through any type of material. In air, they take the form of sound waves and travel at 330 meters per second, hmm. uh, 1,450 meters per second in water, 5,000 meters per second in granite or stone. In granite? Yep. Because? Uh, these waves shake the ground parallel to the direction that the wave is moving. P waves are the first to be recorded on a seismograph. Okay. Uh, a fraction of a second later, secondary waves, or S, S waves, waves, occur. It's like piss and shit waves. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Classy. And they can only travel through solids. These are the waves. <laughs> solids. The other ones tra- travel through water. everything else. These ones are shit. Through piss. Yeah. These are the waves we feel as tremors or vibrations. This is actually how... Can I help you somehow? <laughs> it's just so childish. Why did I say that? Because it's you. <laughs> this is actually how scientists predict that the Earth's outer core is a liquid state. Because, again, how do they know? It's just a prediction. Mm-hmm. But because, <clears throat> because secondary waves don't travel through it, it can't be solid. That's how they determine that oh. it must be liquid. Yeah, okay. Uh, S waves occur in a solid medium where the medium moves perpendicular to the direction of the wave. So if the wave is firing upwards toward the surface, the ground will move from left to right. If the wave moves on a horizontal plane, the ground will move on the vertical plane. And then there's surface waves. Surface waves occur at the epicenter. This is where things get right tangly. They travel along the Earth's surface. They're pretty self-explanatory in nature. This is where, like, destruction occurs. They move the rocks of the crust just below the surface, and they are what causes so much destruction. Larger structures are built firmly into the foundation of the Earth. When the foundation of the Earth begins to move... See you later. See you later, buildings. Yeah. Those walls come a-tumbling down. <laughs> Joshua, what the... Was it Joshua? Fought the battle, the battle of Jericho, Joshua. Fought... Joshua? Daniel? Daniel. Nope. No, Daniel, Daniel was the lion's bullfrog. den. What? No, Jeremiah was the bullfrog. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Uh, Daniel jo- fought Joshua the... fought the battle. It's not Joshua. No, it's too... Um... Fought the battle. You know the song, though. I do, yeah, yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah. The walls come tumbling down. Okay, anyway, that's over. In ancient China, we're going back in time. Let's go back in time, 132 CE. Mm. Chinese polymath Zhang Hung presented the Han court with his latest invention. A large vase that could predict whenever there was an earthquake in their kingdom. Go on. To which I went, well, couldn't any vase do that? Like, if it just if tips the, over? If the vase is on the shelf and the vase falls down, it's like, oh. Here it comes. Earth, if the ground is shaking and the vase falls, earthquake's happening. Yeah. 
But no, in fact, what this could predict was anywhere in the kingdom, hundreds of miles away, where they could, if you couldn't feel the shaking here, this device could predict that there was an earthquake somewhere else. How, you ask? It was just on the very lip of the <laughs> thing. In the well, that's really bizarre. So, because if, if an earthquake occurred like hundreds of miles away, the capital wouldn't hear about it until weeks, maybe months later, until someone, a survivor got there and was like, you need to send help over to Bangladesh or whatever, not Bangladesh, but you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, so anyway, so he creates this vase, vase, if you will, mm. with dragons all around the top because it's China. So, and where they have little balls placed delicately in their mouths. The ball would then fall from the dragon's mouth when it felt seismic waves unperceivable to humans. Not only would it predict an earthquake, but the dragons were all around the vase in a circle. They wouldn't all fall, only the one in that direction. So whatever direction the dragon was pointing in was the direction that the earthquake happened in. By Google is wild. And then he could be like, yeah, there's an earthquake happening in that direction. We need to send aid to whatever city is over there. That is shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. Like seismic so the, the court shocking. was like, sure. But like, if we all had a jig in your kitchen... You'd be like, there's earthquakes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, and especially when the device triggered one day on a quiet afternoon, they're like, mm, no. Days later, messengers from a nearby city came um, reporting that there had been an earthquake in the direction that the ball had dropped. That is wild. It's wild. Now we fast forward many years later, 1935, American seismologist Charles F. Richter and Ben Gutenberg invented a way of measuring the magnitude of earthquakes. This was called the Richter scale. Ah. I don't know what happened for Gutenberg. He's rotted. Rotted to this day. Yeah. He got the shaft. Didn't the, he? The magnitude is determined using the height of the largest seismic wave calibrated to a scale by a seismograph. The Richter scale ranges from 0 to 10, although no level 10 earthquake has ever been recorded. Each stage is 10 times as strong as the previous one. Uh... Numbers 1 to 4 happen on a daily basis, usually. 5 to 6, probably monthly. 7 to 8, more like a yearly thing. Um, then I have a couple of graphs, which I'll explain. So, like, um, anything 0 to 1, we cannot feel them. 2 uh, was the smallest quake that people might feel, like a little shudder, but nothing like, like serious. Like a shake, you're like, oh, Yeah, God, and God. a seismograph will pick it up. 3, people near the epicenter will feel the quake. 4, it's going to start causing damage around the epicenter. Um, it'll be the same as if, like, a small bomb went off. Five, damage done to weak buildings in the area of the epicenter. Six, can cause great damage. Seven, creates enough energy to heat New York City for one whole year. Wow. Uh, yep. Uh, can, de can be detected all over the world. Causes serious damage. Eight, causes death, major destruction. Uh, a Category eight destroyed San Francisco in 1906. Nine, very rare, causes unbelievable damage. And there's weird, because they don't really use the Richter scale anymore. It's like, there's better technology now, where they, but everything is still based. Like, if you hear about, oh, this was actually, a, the earthquake that happened in 2004 was a blank on the Richter scale. They're like, yeah, but not really, because the Richter scale is a little bit outdated. Yeah. But they still say Richter scale. Yeah, it's nice to have, like, a simple, like, 1 to 10. Yeah. On, like, how strong is this? It's the same yeah. thing as, like, uh, hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Right? When you could be like, how powerful Category is one to five. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, we just need something real stupid for the dumb folks at home yeah. to be like, now, what, what do we get to do? Right, exactly. How many balls are dropping out of the dragon's mouth? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, when you're looking at, like, a level two, there's probably, like, about a hundred thousand, or sorry, about a million, rather, earthquakes that have around level two or less happening per year. Hundred thousand at level three, twelve thousand level four, two thousand, and then it gets smaller and smaller until you hit level nine, which is usually less than one. Level eight, maybe somewhere around three. A year. 
Yeah, on average. Some years not. But mm-hmm. um, So you're looking at like between a two and a three is like a moderate lightning bolt striking. Sure. Uh, a three is like the Oklahoma City bombing in terms of impact. Wow. Uh, between a three and a four is like a large lightning bolt. Uh, almost to a five is like your average tornado kind of devastation. Um, level six, you're looking at like Hiroshima atomic bomb. Wow. Uh, eight, you're looking at about a Mount St. Helens eruption. Wow. Um, a little over eight, you're looking at the world's largest nuclear test equivalent. And then as you approach nine, the Krakatoa eruption, which I don't know much about. We talked about it. We must have in the, we did. the volcano episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it's why, like the amount of energy released um, is 56, hang on, I'm counting my zeros, trillion kilograms of explosive equivalent for a category nine. Which would be the same as Larry punching you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so worldwide, there are about 1,500 earthquakes of a magnitude 5 or higher every year, which is like really I think the ones that's that, a lot. Yeah. With the ones that, those are sort of the ones that matter. One to five, like, yeah, you might lose a couple plates, but like, yeah. or like a window might break, but that's yeah. about it. I, um, I watched uh, a video on Instagram today, actually, of like a skyscraper, and I could only, like, it must be, well, I mean, it's not... Uh, I can only presume it's not a third world country because it was a massive skyscraper with right. like like a condo building. Yeah. And they had a bathtub mm. and the building was shaking so much because of an earthquake that the bathtub, I don't know if it was full of water before. Right. And they panicked and got out of the bath. Right. Or if the pl- the building was shaking so much that the plumbing, the water like came up through it. Right. But the water was splashing out of the bathtub all over the floor and that's how much the building was shaking back and forth. I would have gotten out of there that fast. Yeah, unless you had your uh, your um, CBD bath bomb in there, you're like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's no earthquake. This is just me. Uh, so one thing that makes earthquakes a brutal natural disaster is that they are so hard to predict. Mm-hmm. When a hurricane's coming, we've all got a couple of weeks to like get to Sobeys, buy up all the water, buy the toilet paper, get buy your ruffle sour cream and onions. Yeah, earthquakes can happen with no warning at all, hardly. One thing we can do is look to the past because we know that earthquakes happen around similar fault planes, usually the driest, hardest rocks where the pressure just can't escape. Yep. We can look back over thousands of years or more if we can and see the patterns of when and where these earthquakes occur and do a very long-term forecast of when we think these faults are likely to start an earthquake again. Wasn't there a, uh, a group of scientists in, I want to say like Iceland? Okay somewhere mm-hmm. that were being criminally charged because they were not like smart enough to predict an earthquake that killed thousands of people. Yeah, and they were being like held criminally charged That's and some so of them weird. were held in jail for like up to 2 years. In Iceland? I it may it may have been like I I'm like saying Russia like, maybe. No, so, like maybe, but like like Iceland you wouldn't get incriminated for that because they're like But there was something where like they were like you should have known this was coming. Why didn't you warm? It oh, was either geez. that or like a tsunami or a volcano. There was something that right. happened where they were like, shouldn't you have known this was coming? And the scientists were like, no. We, how could we yeah. have ever known this was coming? And they tried to criminally try them. Yeah. And some of them went to jail for two years while they were waiting for the trial. And they ended up being exonerated. Of course they did. But like it was like to the point where that was a real thing. There's many variables involved. It's essentially Newfoundland weather. Like you cannot predict it. No. Like you get up in the morning, you're like, oh, it's supposed to rain today, but now Toss it's 20 any degrees. Toss any share in the, gar- in the yeah. garbage in the jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could get you could get beat up for saying toss any share in the garbage. I know. Bye. Uh, so seismographs are used to predict primary waves, but of course that doesn't give ample time either. 
There is research being done in, in phones being used as a global network of seismographs. Seismologists can study live data from every active cell phone around the world, look at the trends at waves at any given moment, and warn those in an area of an incoming earthquake. Man, I got to say, like, that's wild. Google's wild. Google's wild. The issue being, you're still only looking at, like, maybe a few seconds to a minute head start. Yeah, that's right? the issue. Is you don't know what's going to happen until that actually happens. The primary waves have to be going before you notice with our technology right now. Could they pre predict when the tectonic plates would, like, bump and grind? Yes, to but not to like a day or week or month. But they can be like we're due. That's what I was saying earlier. Like we're they can be like we're due based on seismic activity. Usually over the last few thousands of years, we're due for another one in this area. Um, but you know they can't predict it to a day by any means. Um, as late as 2011, there is new research to suggest that perhaps the best prediction of earthquakes may be something we cannot see or feel. Something that is, in fact, invisible to all sensors we currently have tracing earthquakes. Before an earthquake struck uh, the east coast of Japan, nearby researchers read surprising high concentrations of the isotope pair radon and thoron. Sounds Gas. Like Pokemon. They're gases. It is, now thought by, <laughs> it is now thought by some scientists that if we could set up gas sensors for radon and thoron in locations prone to earthquakes, we could possibly forecast earthquakes as much as a week in advance. Because that's what's happened this the time. The surface would crack, the surface releasing, the, the gas. releasing the gas. And we're like, oh shit, plates are moving. Yeah. In about a week, shit getting real. So they think that maybe actually be something. So that's, wow. that's as, early, as late as 2011. They should put some dogs there. Dogs would smell it. Like, woof, Probably. woof. Woof, woof. Right on. <laughs> woof woof right on uh, now tsunamis same deal tsunamis are commonly referred to as tidal waves but they are entirely unrelated to the tidal activity caused by gravitational forces of the sun and moon which we've been through I love like when we like talk about something we're like we've already talked about that yeah aspect. I know it's so great we are a wealth of knowledge we are a wealth of things we can't remember. I was, the words are coming out of my mouth. Yeah. We cannot remember a single thing of it, though. Tsunamis are much like regular waves. Excuse me. They have a trough and a crest mm -hmm. and consist not of moving water, but of the movement of energy through water. Ooh. Which I didn't ever think of it that way, but it's it's not water that's moving. It's energy moving through water. Like, I guess your hands scooping the water underneath, and it's the consequence of or that. Or waves. For normal waves, the energy comes from wind. Yeah. Right? So the wind, the waves stay relatively small and slow moving because the wind only affects the surface of the, of the water. Yeah. Right? Tsunamis are caused by energy originating underwater. Often tsunamis are caused by the tectonic plates under the water slipping. This sends a massive amount of energy into the water. The energy travels up through the surface and displaces the water, forcing it upward above normal sea level. But then gravity works on the water from above, pulling it back down, creating a ripple outward. So water goes up, gravity pushes it down in the middle, and then it ripples out. Uh, and How the, high up does it go? I don't know. Because, like, it, it's not, the wave itself is not created yet. Oh. So that happens, and then a tsunami is, a tsunami is born. Moving at about 500 meters, uh, miles rather, in, in the water. Far from shore, a tsunami is barely detectable since it moves, and this is new to me, through the entire depth of the water. So it goes right to the bottom. It doesn't actually become... I thought, like, a, if it was a 100-foot tsunami that hits the shore, I thought it was always 100 feet. Like, in the middle of the ocean, it's 100 feet, and it just travels to shore. No. Not the case. So the energy is moving through the water under the water. 
it's not until it approaches shore and the depth of the water gets less and less that wave shoaling occurs. Yeah. So the tsunami reaches shallow water, the energy gets compressed, the wave speed drastically slows down, while the wave rises in height yeah. as much as 100 feet, which is fascinating. Google's wild. Google is wild. The word tsunami is actually Japanese for harbor wave because the wave never seems to appear until you're near the shore, which is true because it's under the water. A short tail sign of a tsunami is that the water will be pulled from the shore in anticipation of arrival. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's low tide, old man. Oh, no. The only defense against tsunamis... Get the f*** out of there. (laughs) ...is is the construction of seawalls, floodgates, and canals constructed to allow water to pass through or stop up against as freely as possible. Um, there are also <laughs> what? Well, no, by grass is good against water. By <laughs> soak it up, yeah. sponge, real big sponge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fire is good against grass. Yeah, and poison is good against grass. And rock beats paper. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, in addition to the natural movement of tectonic plates, there are a few factors that can create artificial earthquakes and tsunamis. Mm-hmm. I mean, the earthquakes and tsunamis are not artificial. The I ways that happen. For instance, um. Tsunamis can be caused by underwater eruptions of volcanoes or submarine landslides, which made me think of like a bunch of submarines falling down a hill. Like, oh, <laughs> like, oh no, it's a landslide. <laughs> it's all submarines. It took me Paul, I said, put on the emergency <laughs> brake. <laughs> oh no, how did we all get here? Uh, but no, they mean underwater landslides, of course. Similarly, earthquakes can be caused by volcanic eruptions, landslides, avalanches, the collapse of heavy rocks, not to mention man-made cases. The disturbance of crustal balance due to heavy clubbing of water in dams can create too much pressure on areas of land not designed to withstand the pressure. We create a dam in a place where like, the rock below is too soft or whatever. Yeah. Um, Nuclear bombs can also send shockwaves throughout the surface of the earth, disturbing the natural natural alignment of the plates. Mining, similar thing. If you move a bunch of rock that needed to stay there, you can disrupt the, the movement. Is there? Do you think people have ever thought of weaponizing this? Like to go out into uncharted waters, like where it's like you can do whatever you want, and to just like... Drill or something? Or like blast a nuke in hopes that a tsunami will just go to a certain shore... I think it's too unpredictable the, yeah, the magnitude so. of energy and you have yeah. to get it in the exact same spot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like yeah. it would be an interesting concept of like how far out from the shore. Right. But also if you're out in the water yourself about to detonate well, a Well, this is the thing. Yeah. I mean, you could Should also get like a robotic submarine to do it. And also like... Like you wouldn't yeah, need to be Think there. of the ocean life. You Like you would ruin an ecosystem. You'd basically kill everybody, everybody on earth if you detonated a nuke in the middle of the ocean. Do you think? Uh, I think? I think they've tested like weapons in the water i'm sure they have but yeah. like an atomic bomb i don't think so. i don't I have that answer for you because i feel like the radiation would just destroy ocean life it would well it depends out. we don't know how far radiation could travel in water no we don't i'm sure people do um so let's get bleak now what that wasn't bleak i mean not really because i wasn't talking about like the death tolls and stuff oh no but let's talk about the worst to? tsunamis and earthquakes to occur in history oh god so to give some context, major earthquakes release far more energy major than any man-made explosion. Major earthquakes. Uh, in 1906, San Francisco earthquake has a magnitude of 8.3. It was approximately 1 million times as powerful as the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. That is wild. Every earthquake, earthquake and tsunami I'm about to tell you about is stronger than that one. February 27th, 2010. 
off BioBio, Bio, Chile, magnitude 8.8. .8. The region around Concepcion, I don't know how to pronounce that, Concepcion Bay, so, has been recorded as a center for seismic shock since the 16th century, but few have been as devastating as the early morning quake that generated a Pacific-wide tsunami, cost the lives of 521 people, uh, with a further, further 1,200 injured and more than 800,000 left homeless. Wow. Chile was left reeling at the scale of the disaster. This is just 2010. Oh, uh, yeah. That would cost the nation $30 billion by the end of 2010. So I'm going to ask a really silly question. Yeah. It's going to sound really insensitive. Okay. Why live there if, like, they know that this is an epicenter for these kinds of things? It's like... It's Where are like they going to go? It's like the people who live on the bottom of a volcano. And, like, people who live in Venice. Mm -hmm. Like, their, their city is literally... Sinking. Sinking. Same yeah. thing with California. And, yep. like, they say, like, 10 to 20 years, there's certain yep. parts of California that will just be covered go? in water. It's the population of Canada. I know, but do but you know what I mean? It's also... Yeah. And all, like, I, this is just my own ignorance, but, like, yeah. are there infrastructures built... To withstand certain, I know there comes a point where like eight point five and above, there's no infrastructure that will survive. But like, well, as you'll see, most of these, like most of the devastation, occurs from tsunamis. Actually, um, less so from earthquakes. And I don't know if it's because the larger ones just happen to usually happen underwater. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure. But rarely is it like an earthquake that happened on land that destroyed. It is almost always a tsunami that comes. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, November 4th, 1952, Kamchatka, don't know where that is, cool. magnitude of nine, Jeez. the volcanic Russian peninsula, oh, it's a Russian peninsula, was near the epicenter of the quake, but it was the Hawaiian Islands that took the brunt of the tsunami that caused millions of dollars worth of damage as waves scored the coast, ripping boats from their moorings, and in Honolulu Harbor, lifting a cement barge before throwing it down on a freighter. No deaths were recorded unless you count the six cows lost by one unfortunate Oahu farmer who was left cursing at an event that occurred more than 3,000 miles away. Poor cows. Poor cows. August 13th, 1868, Arica, Peru, now part of Chile, magnitude of nine. Hawaii also felt the force of the tsunami created by this Pacific Basin earthquake, but here the destruction was just as heavy in South America, with a city, like Hawaii to South America, with the city of uh, Araguipa destroyed and 25,000 killed. The quake was felt as oh far as La Paz in Bolivia, Four hours after the first shocks, wave as high as 16 meters uh, inundated the coast and carried one U.S. gunboat two miles inland to rest precariously on a 60-meter cliff. Isn't that wild? What? Yep. Uh, January 26, 1700. North Pacific coast of America, magnitude of estimated nine, because we don't exactly know because it was 300 years ago. Mm. Uh, the only North American account of one of the continent's largest earthquakes comes from the oral history of Native Americans near Vancouver Island, which describes how the large community of uh, Pakina Bay was wiped out by a huge wave. Across the Pacific, the quake was accurately recorded by Japanese observers of the large tsunami that struck Japan on January 27th, the next day, 1700. Wow. Uh, I got a couple more for you. Uh, December 26, 2004. This one we're all remembering. Off Boxing the coast Day. of what? Boxing Day. Yeah, Boxing Day off the coast of northern Sumatra. Um, the deadliest tsunami in history was felt in 14 countries across Asia and East Africa, triggered by a mega thrust as the Indian tectonic plate was forced beneath the Burmese plate. Indonesia was the worst affected with, of the 230,000 deaths, 170,000 of them were in Indonesia. With many of the victims' bodies missing, the eventual death toll took a month to establish. Some of the world's poorest communities lost more than 60% of their fishing and industrial infrastructure. 
I remember like watching that in the news, and, like the the film from the or, like from the phones or something like yeah. of the wave coming ashore. I don't know how someone got that. I guess they sent it. Like, I, I don't know because they obviously didn't make it. No, but like you saw that, right? Like you saw those videos. I mean, I I don't yeah. I can't say I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure I did. Uh, then the largest um, magnitude nine point five ever recorded, twenty second of May nineteen sixty, Chile again. The world's most powerful powerful earthquake left four thousand four hundred eighty five people dead and injured, two million homeless after it struck southern Chile in nineteen sixty. The port of Puerto Saavedra was destroyed in the ensuing tsunami, which caused $550 million worth of damage in Chile and killed a further 170 people as five-meter waves hit the coast of Japan and the Philippines. A day later, as if it couldn't get worse, Volcan Poyehu in Chile's Lake District, which is a volcano, right. then erupted, spewed ash 6,000 meters into the air in an eruption that lasted for several weeks. Just like salt on the wound. Salt in the wound. Ash in the wound. Ash in the wound. Ugh. But I wish I had to start with that. Now it feels like the pits. You wish I had started with what? The devastation. Why? I don't know. I just, would that be better? No, it wouldn't, have, it been, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been better. I, I, I think. I wish I hadn't said it at all. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we're all about the devastation. Do uh, we like? I mean, because we obviously know of like these wild volcanic eruptions that happened like prehistoric times yeah. and things like that. Do we know of like tsunamis and earthquakes from like past civilizations? I doubt like, it. Like, does the does the Earth provide the same level of evidence, right, as volcanoes did? I doubt it because they can analyze the soil. For the volcanoes, right? And also the cannot, mountains and, yeah. and the lack of mountains. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing with the earthquake thing. They're like, if we can develop technology mm. to see into the mantle, yeah, then we will be able to predict um, earthquakes. Yeah. How far have humans gone? Like, not like a physical human gone down, but I no, just mean no, like, like, like drilled. drilled. Well, see, the issue is if you drill down there, you might start an earthquake. Is that the issue? Yeah. That's why um, explosions and drill, like mining and stuff can affect that right so if you're drilling down there and affecting the rock that's down there you may trigger a fault and you it'd be your fault <laughs> <laughs> and like do you think they have a fear of like cooling down the earth too quickly if they let all the gas out? <laughs> right <laughs> on <laughs> like to deflates the ball too fast i don't know <laughs> just like yeah i don't know I don't know. I don't anyway. know either. Anyways, they, they don't know either. Google is wild. Google is wild. Now, ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies, enjoy that break. Do you sometimes struggle to both support local and have fashionable outerwear? Look no further than Loops by Leah. Handmade hats. Scarves. Ponchos. Cardigans. And much more. You can even purchase iPad cases. And purses. Order now at www.facebook.com forward slash loops by Leah M and send Leah a direct message with your custom order. Welcome back, Mr. Smith. <laughs> Welcome back, Mr. Sims. <laughs> How are you? I'm stretching my legs out. Yeah, you're getting cozy? My foot fell asleep today, and when I try to stand on it, this is, is a kind of an interesting story. As far as foot falling asleep, it's as interesting as it gets. Okay, go on. And so I was like, oh, I got to stand up now, guys, because my foot's asleep. We were writing the Christmas show. And uh, when I stood up and put my foot to the ground, I was like, okay, and I lifted it up, it felt like I had to use a lot of effort to get my foot back down to the ground. Like, it felt like my foot was levitating. So I, like, Ooh, I put my weird. foot back down again, and I was like, that was weird. I was like, oh, it's still weird. So I lifted it up again, and I was like, 
it was effort to put it back to the ground. I was like, what's happening? Like, it felt there was a force under my foot stopping me from lowering it. Do you think, and this is just me, like, could you see that it wasn't touching the ground? Yes. Okay. Because, like, it could have been that asleep that you couldn't tell that your foot was touching the ground. No, no, no. Ground. I could physically see that it wasn't touching the ground. That's wild. It was, I've never experienced it before. There's times where I've fallen asleep and, like, my arm has fallen off the side of the bed. Yeah. And I wake up and it's so asleep. Yeah. That I have to physically take it and flick it back onto the bed that I don't have. But why would it be asleep if it was off the side of the bed? Oh, sorry. The other way around. The other way around. It's like behind my head. Like I'm sleeping like. Right. Gotcha. Like that. Like (laughs) a model. Like doing something and it falls asleep and I have to flick it off the bed to get the blood down. That's what it is. Right. But like I can't you. I can't. I don't have control over the arm. It's that asleep. It's that so dead. Bizarre. So I have to take it, yeah. and I've taken it, and I flicked it off the side <laughs> yeah, of the bed. Happened to be a couple but like times, holding dude. the weight of your like your dead, your dead arm, arm I know. and it doesn't feel like it's yours. I know. Oh, it is the weirdest feeling. And then you flick it to the side of the bed, and all you know is tingle, the pain tingle, 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 that tingle, is going tingle. to come from this yeah. is going to be unbearable. Yeah, that's all I can think it's, of. It's more so discomfort than pain, too. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Certain pins and needles is like pain. Yeah, I guess. There's no denying that it's pain. So, like, when I completed my first aid training, they talked about people who get, like, severe, severe hypothermia and severe, oh, right. like, frostbite. Yeah. And, it, like, to the point where they're, like, we have to choose between amputating your arm because yeah. it's completely frozen. Yeah. Um, about how to thaw it out and, like, what to do. Because it might be okay. It Like, yeah, there's there there may come a point that, like, if you thaw it out slowly enough or if it's, like, depending on the degree of frostbite – that like you could potentially thought out and they may have not like super severe nerve damage. Right. And it may be salvageable. But the pain. Like the the lady who did at the first aid training, she was so polite and she was right. so respectful, right. which is fine, you know, it was normal. Yeah. But when she got to explain that, she was like, Boss, you've never experienced a like of pain before in your life. And she was like, if you're with somebody, she's yeah. like that, trying like, to help them, yeah. She was like, this is going to be the worst thing. And she was like, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it if it's yeah. you. She's like, yeah. you're in... It's like Harry Potter when when she, <laughs> when she goes, now growing bones, this will be a bad one. Yes. You know? Growing bones is painful work. Yep. What do you think it was? Pumpkin juice? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But like, I just can't imagine the thought of like... Because that's what happens. It thaws out, the nerves come back to life. And it's like the the worst type of pain. Move on. Anyway, sorry. Explain something to me. Um, do you that, want to, that isn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if uh, you somehow missed the conversation earlier, I'm doing the Amber Room. I have no idea what it is. If you were to guess. I, well, actually, I, I should say that. I think Hannah said something about something going missing. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's it, actually. That's all I know. That's all you know. Yep, that, yeah. that's pretty well. But it. I don't know what it is and, like, why it's called the Amber Room. Sure. Like, is the Amber Room the room the thing went missing from? Is it the room itself that went missing? Yeah. Is the room, like, why is the room amber? Is it, like, amber like the jewel or is it, like, amber like the color? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Interesting. So shall we? Please. Awesome. So what happened to the Amber Room is one of history's greatest mysteries. I love a mystery. Some have dubbed its disappearance as the eighth wonder of the world. I don't know what to do with my arms right now. Do whatever you want, man. No, but I feel like the way that my mic is, and like I want to cross them, or like... Just like, don't hurt yourself. I'm just going to do this. This okay. feels unnatural. Do you feel safe? I do feel safe. I do this sometimes in the shower. 
Tiffany would be like, why? You, like, I'll just put my armor, like, just inherently, like, if the, especially if the bathroom is a little bit chilly. And, like, I'll just, like, have my armor across my body. And, like... Are you protecting yourself? Like, do you feel vulnerable? Not actively. Subconsciously, maybe. Like, I just do this. And I'm just like, Are you afraid someone's going to be like, ha, 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 here I am. <laughs> I and, like, rip the curtain open. I was like, what am I protecting? My belly button. It's <laughs> like those weird little things from the Matrix. Don't oh, crawl our way in. No, thanks. Bye. Okay, go on. What happened to the Amber Room is one of history's greatest mysteries. Loves a mystery. Some have dubbed its disappearance as the eighth wonder of the world. Oh. Its disappearance has occupied the minds of treasure hunters for decades. I feel like a lot of things fall into the category of, it could be the eighth wonder of the world. It's like everything that isn't this first seven, they're like, this could be the eighth. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll just start it adding. It just didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the first cut. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It could have been better if it only tried a little harder. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into a little bit of the history and the facts. Okay. So the Amber Room was a chamber decorated in amber panels, backed with gold leaf and mirrors, located in the Catherine Palace near St. Petersburg. Okay. So exactly as you think, it is a room just purely made of amber, the jewel. The walls are made of amber. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, obviously the foundation is like, you know, wood and gyprock and stuff. But sure, it is gyprock, yeah. Gyprock, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Back in 1700, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, the entire room is decorated top to bottom okay. in all amber, jewels, gold leaf, mirrors, all that kind of fun okay. stuff. The amber room is a priceless piece of art with extraordinary architectural features such as gilding, carvings, 990 pounds of amber panels, gold leaf, gemstones, and mirrors, all highlighted with candlelight. Um, Additional architectural and design features include statues of angels and children. Oh. Modern estimates of the room's value ranged from $142 million back in 2007 all the way to $500 million in 2016. Wow. The Amber Room started construction in 1701 with the purpose of being installed at Charlottenburg Palace, the resident of Friedrich, the first king of Prussia, at the urging of his second wife, Sophia Charlotte. Okay. Uh, the concept and design of the room was drafted by Andreas Schlüter. Uh, although originally intended for installation at Charlottenburg Palace, the complete panels were eventually installed at Berlin City Palace. The Amber Room did not, however, remain at uh, Berlin City Palace for long. Peter the Great, which is a fantastic name, yes, if ever we were so lucky. But Peter the Great of Russia admired the room so much uh, during a visit in 1716 that King Friedrich I's son, Friedrich William I, presented the room to Peter as a gift. How does one do that? How do you present someone with a room? They're like, here you go, bye. But they just take the panels off the wall. Well, they say this room is now yours. And yeah, so presumably that's what they would do. Uh, This forged a Russo-Prussian alliance against Sweden. It was kind of like, this is a gift. Let's go kick Sweden's ass. It was like, (laughs) all right. All right. Uh, The original Berlin design of the Amber Room was reworked in Russia in a joint effort by German and Russian craftsmen. It was Peter's daughter, Empress Elizabeth, who decided the Amber Treasure should be installed at Catherine Palace, where the Russian imperial family typically spent their summers. Okay. Uh, After several other 18th century renovations, the room covered more than 55 square meters, which is about 590 square feet, and combined over six tons of amber. It was about 1,300 pounds of amber. The room took over 10 years to construct. Back then, it was... Not u- the original room, once they switched it over to Catherine's Palace. Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Uh, back then, it was used by many for different situations. In the past, it was used by Catherine the Great as a gathering chamber. It was then used as a trophy display by Alexander II and as a private chamber for Tsarina Elizabeth. Okay. Pretty well, no one really used it for any significant means. Right. Along with many treasure and works of art, the Amber Room was looted during the occupation by the Germans in 1941. Oh. It was Hitler's great challenge to hunt and find treasures, pieces of art, and significant religious artifacts that he believed would help him win the war. And if you want Why? to know more about it, go see any Indiana Jones movie. Um, well, why do you think it would help him win? Because people would want it back. There was a lot of they would like no, cave? not so much the art and like those kinds of things. Because Hitler was an artist. Yeah, he could paint a full apartment in two coats in one one evening. Um, you missed I, that. Yeah, butchered it. Yeah, he could fa- paint a full apartment in, in one, one afternoon. afternoon two, two coats. coats. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he did actually love art, and that was one thing he wanted to do when he was kind of invading a lot of places was to right. steal all the art and stuff. Right. Um, but he and I don't know if this is myth. I think it's real. Okay. But he also, he was very religious. Yeah. Uh, he also sought after, like, religious artifacts. Okay. Like, he looked for the Ark of the Covenant. Right. He looked for um, the... Um, Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Yep. And, like, Noah's Ark. And, like, the sword... Noah's Ark? Is yep. that a thing? He looked for that, yep. People think that's a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh. He also tried to look for the spear that pierced Jesus' side. Sure. Um, he, he looked for all these things cause he believed that they were like super religious weapons and he could use them to win the war. Like batshit. Oh, 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 oh. Like magic. Yeah. Like magic. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But like, I don't know if that Not is. Not use them be like, hi, you want your spear back? Join me. Yeah. Be like, oh, no, I will be able to conquer an army with this spear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like some weird Alexander the Great, Troy, yeah, right. Greek okay. mythology thing. Right. I don't know how real that is. That could be just like bullshit. Propaganda. Um, propaganda. But what is known is that uh, Hitler confiscated over 650,000 pieces of art in his occupation. Right. Um, some of which were never, ever returned and lost forever. The act was called Rabkunst. And I think we should do a topic on it. The act of, of stealing of all the art stuff? that he's okay. tr- uh, all the stuff, yeah, right. and all this the wild Nazi stuff that, right. that happened shortly before the Germans invaded Leningrad, which was formerly Saint Petersburg. The curator where in Russia, okay. Um, the curators of the Catherine Palace uh, were working feverishly, feverishly to remove the art treasures from the palace. Okay, right. They were doing. They knew this, they were coming. They knew their well. It was like the day of right? right they were like we gotta get the stuff out of here right they were doing this to prevent them falling into the hands of the germans right so they removed almost all of the valuables from the palace except for the amber room the amber little pa- panels were difficult to move i'll say over the years the amber had become brittle uh they couldn't remove the panels quick enough without actually damaging the amber uh. so in a last shot of hope the curators covered the entire walls of the room in a cheap wallpaper in hopes that the German army wouldn't discover the room and would just leave it as is. Really? Unfortunately, this did not work. Because they knew there was an amber room. They knew. So the Germans quickly captured Catherine Palace, and under the guidance of experts, whatever that means, they deconstructed and disassembled the room in less than two days. Which is wild. Yeah, because it took the other... They couldn't do it. 10 years or something. Well, it took 10 years to put it together. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, we can't take this apart. Right. The curators, the ones yes. who spent all of their time there. And these yeah. guys just show up. They're like, nah, we'll break this down two days. And wow. they did. Um, they packaged the panels and the room's contents into wooden shipping containers and sent dozens of crates west. 
Okay. Konigsberg was the capital of East Prussia, and the Amber Room arrived there on October 14, 1941. The treasure was stored in Konigsberg Castle. By 1945... Because Konig- the Germans had already conquered Prussia as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, by 1945, Konigsberg was in the front line, which means it was now there was the epicenter of attack. Right. Uh, epicenter. Uh, under heavy RAF bombing raids, they were threatened by the fast-moving Red Army. Mm-hmm. So before, Germany was attacking Russia. Now in this battle, Russia's attacking Germany. Right. The Amber Room was once again under attack, and other mo- treasures along with that had to be moved. Right. <clears throat> Between January 21st and January 24th, several crates of valuables and treasures were shipped again further west. No one knows to this day if the Amber Room was amongst the treasures that were transported. Okay. The Red Army captured Konigsberg on April 9th, 1945, but the Amber Room was nowhere to be found. Up to this point, no one knows for certain what exactly happened from there. But we've got ideas. Now we do some theories. Alrighty. Okay, so how do they not know, though? So, obviously, like, in the heat of battle and war and all these It could have just got destroyed. It could have just gotten destroyed, or, like, also, they didn't reconstruct the room when it got to Konigsberg Castle. It realistically stayed in probably wooden crates. So, like, think about wooden crates. There's probably a couple of dozen of them. One bomb could have went off, and that could have been it. It could have done anything right. to it. They were or, brittle as it was. They could have put them in the back of trucks, and the trucks could have driven them east. Like, really, it wasn't as simple as, like, how did this room disappear? It's like, no, the room was broken down. And, and yes, and no, crates. I know that, yeah. yeah. But even so, like, if someone, if it was not destroyed, why would it be a secret where it was? Mm, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, other than its value. Yeah, but right. you can't sell it because you don't want anyone to know. Well, there's a it. black market for those kinds of things. I guess. No, there's like, definitely that, is. No, I know there is. Yeah. But like, I feel like it would be a tricky thing to even sell on a black market because like, you don't want like you don't want to ex- expose to a bunch of people like anyone on the like everyone in the black market that the Amber Room is here and exists. True, true. Right? I, I understand know. what you mean. I feel it'd be tricky. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Tell me the theories. <clears throat> so I have a couple of theories for you. Okay. Listen closely. And I shall. Theory number one. Hmm. Many believed... The Amber Room was packed aboard the evacuation ship Wilhelm, Wilhelm Gustloff, okay, which was the name of the boat. Uh, on January 30th, 1945, the liner was torpedoed and sunk by the uh, by a Soviet submarine. Oh my God, submarine. By a, nope, submarine. <laughs> by a Soviet submarine in the Baltic. Right. It, it was a submarine landslide. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it killed around 9,400 people. Okay, all of the people who were on the ship. Correct. Okay. Uh, divers went to the wreckage and have speculated that the Amber Room was not on board, but they cannot prove it for certain. Mm. Certain records show that the wooden crates were taken from Konigsberg Castle and were transported along with a lot of different valuables, and those valuables were, were on the ship. Right. Some of them were, yeah. Right. Uh, but the, the room was never found. Okay. Theory number two. Okay. This theory is the most popular one. Okay. And to be honest, probably the most logical. Okay. Stating that the Amber Room was destroyed when the Konigsberg Castle was badly damaged during the RAF air raids. Okay. This is where it was second placed, right? Right. The Soviets smashed the castle with artillery fire during the battle to capture the city. It has been stated by Soviet investigators that the castle was destroyed by fire between April 9th and April 11th, 1945. 
When the Soviet investigators got to the debris to recover the artifact, three out of four Florentine stone mosaics that had been formed part of the room's decoration were found amongst the castle's debris. So parts of the room uh, were found amongst the debris. It's confirmed that parts of the room were found? Yeah. Well, then uh, why are they saying they don't know where it was? Well, they're, they're like parts of it, like like a picture. It's a mosaic Oh, not picture. the panels. No. Like, oh, like oh. They're like, oh, this picture was in there, and this picture, like, it's something like that, right? So when, they re- when the Nazis rebuilt it, they rebuilt it exactly as is. I don't think they rebuilt it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Is that when the... When, they rebuilt it first, before they put it in Greece. They put it in the castle in Cronenberg or whatever. No, they didn't. They didn't rebuild it in Cronenberg. It was, oh. it was kept there. I thought they rebuilt it, and then when they were getting attacked, no. they were like, no, let's pack this all up. No, no, every idea. time it moved, it wasn't rebuilt as a room. Only the first time, when it moved to Catherine's castle. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, or no, yeah. moved from Catherine's castle to... No, you're right. Moved to Catherine's castle. Yeah, okay. Catherine's yeah. palace. Yeah. Catherine's house on Alice Drive. Right. Um, it was kept secret by the Soviets um, because the theft and destruction of the Amber Room was a useful Cold War propaganda tool, blaming the West for its loss. So um, this is where it gets a little bit, this like this particular theory gets a little hanky-panky. Okay. So they didn't tell anybody that they found a couple of those pieces and they said that it was destroyed because they were Soviet investigators. Okay. They were like, Oh, well, looks like it's destroyed. It's not here, folks. It's gone. And it originally was Russia's anyway. Originally, yeah. Yeah, okay. And what they did is they blamed the destruction of the the room and stuff on the West. And they used that as a propaganda to help fuel the Cold War a little bit. Right. On, like, look at our famous artifacts. Did enough people care about the Amber Room? Well, it was, it was built in 1700, and it was a, right. it was like a big Russian thing. Right. Right? Um, so what is strange about this theory is during the Soviet's occupation of Konigsberg, mm. the ruins of the Konigsberg Castle were off limits. No one was allowed to enter the diminished castle. During what time, sorry? When they occupied it. So After the war? After the war. We went like, back to so, New York? What? We went back to New York. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but like when they raided it and took over Konigsberg. Yeah. And they were like, this is ours now. They're like, see that castle over there that we destroyed during the battle that held a very famous room that we were trying to get back? No one's allowed to go there ever. Right. And so it just remained as debris okay. and a castle broken down, but no one was allowed to go near it. Okay. Um, in 1968, Soviet leader... Uh, Leonid Brezhnev uh, ordered its ruins to be completely leveled and destroyed, right. preventing any proper future investigation of the, of the site. On the site today stands the House of the Soviets, which is irrelevant. I just thought it was a good point. What do you mean the House of the Soviets? Like It's just house, a building like that they call the House of... Yeah, something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he said, yeah, no one's going in here. No one will ever go in here. No one will ever know what's going on. I'm going to destroy it now. And that's what he did. Okay. And like that, no civilians, like personnel could like like military or whatever were going into raid stuff. Well, I mean, presumably authorized like yeah. KGB and stuff could right. probably go in yeah. there. But right. like, yeah, you're right, not yeah. people. Okay. Um, in 2004, a British in, British investigative journalist, Catherine Scott Clark and Adrian Levy, released reports supporting the theory that it was indeed probably destroyed in those battles. Okay. Hmm. And they're also Russians? Oh, no, you said no, British. British, yeah. Okay. So they were just like, we think it was destroyed in that battle. Okay. Right? Even though the Russians are saying, mm, it, you guys destroyed it. But right. this was back during the Cold War. Okay. Right? They were blaming the West. 
Um, theory number three. Okay. So, as to the Soviets' motivation to hide the remains of the room to further, I guess, their Cold War propaganda, right. the USA had similar motives as well. Once the Soviets blamed the West and the U.S. for their destruct for the destruction of the Amber Room during RAF raids and bombings, the U.S. took the opportunity to the, to utilize the aggressive anti-American propaganda mm. to push their own narrative, right, right, of the geopolitical culture wars that brought about the Cold War, right, which we've talked about now twice. Yeah, um, the theory stated that the Soviets did indeed hide the Amber Room from investigators and the public. Okay. But the U.S. and Britain found the Amber Room after the defeat of Russia in the Battle of Stalingrad. Which is when? Also World War II? Yeah, so oh. a little bit after. They decided it was too far gone and to try to convince the public that they were not responsible for the destruction, and right. instead they doubled down and used the propaganda as ammunition to further their own cause against communism. Right. It is uncertain what the U.S. did with the crates containing the Amber Room. Some say it's now in Area 51. Uh, some theories point to secret tunnels and bomb-proof facilities under the Pentagon, where it's mm -hmm. hidden. I mean, I'm sure there are bomb-proof facilities oh, under the Pentagon. Oh, there's definitely, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, theory number four. I feel like all of, if you, underneath all of Washington is just like tunnels. Tunnels, yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever seen, um, not Soul Survivor, um, what's it called? Uh, maybe it's called Soul Survivor. I don't know. Um, there's this thing in, I guess, American politics or something. I don't. I don't really know. Soul Survivor. Frig. What is it oh. called? Like when there's when there's a big when like when a the president's big, giving the big speech, the one person has to stay behind. Yeah. Yeah. What's that called? Uh, there's a TV show about it. Ah. Yeah, we've talked about it before, and it's always like somebody who's not. It's like the minister of agriculture. Yeah, like someone who's not important. Yeah. They're like, no, you can't come to the party. You have to stay home because if a terrorist attack or something he happens, kills everyone in the room. You Someone's have to act charge. as president. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's got to be like those kinds of tunnels, yeah. or rooms, and stuff. Yeah. Anyways, uh, theory number four. Okay. Okay. The idea that modern Germany might be hiding the room still has some substance. At the time, Germany had plans of creating a museum of world culture for Linz, Austria. Okay. So following a local tip-off and examination of local Stasi and KGB records, a group of investigators detected underground tunnels and bunkers using radar. Three amateur treasure hunters believe this cave complex, once used by German army scientists, could hide the Amber Room. <laughs> they believed they have uncovered evidence of an explosion used to hide the entrance of the tunnels. But what would be the point of that? Because no one could get in there. That's the point. They're like, we can't, they can't get this. Let's hide this and we'll come back and get it later. And so they, they just dig up. it out. Yeah. Right. Um, they also point to marks on trees to indicate where certain secret passages are and marks that were made by steel ropes. Uh, these would have been used to carry the large crates. Uh, I don't know how, but they just said that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the group applied. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. I'm just reading you the information. Yeah. Uh, the group applied for funding to continue their search back in 2017, but it did not get approved. It is rumored that the room could have been hidden in old salt mines on the Czech border. There are many old abandoned silver mines that are deemed too dangerous to now explore. Right. These would have been uh, fantastic hiding places for the dozens of wooden crates and lost artifacts and arts. Okay. Other various tunnels, mines, lagoons, and caves are being cited as potential hiding places. In 1998, a German team thought they had found the remains in an old salt mine, while a team from Lithuania thought it was buried at the bottom of a lagoon. 
Both were proven wrong. I love secret tunnels and shit. Oh, yeah. It's wild. Like, the concept of that. Or, like, even, like, when people are, like, they have, like, mansions and there's, like, a secret passage. Like, oh, yeah. I know, like, it's just for, like, fun or whatever, but it's, like... It actually fills me with delight. So St. Bond's is filled with secret Yeah, you told me this before, I think. Yeah. So um, I think like during one of the wars, like I think they actually had a tunnel that went from St. Bond's down to the Basilica and then like went to certain areas and stuff. Um, I love that. Yeah, Google's wild by. I don't know. Maybe I'm making, that's way too far, way too old. The Basilica? No, 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 no. World War. It might have been World War II. Yeah, I'm sure Bond's was around in the 30s and 40s. I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. On the hill, she stands uh, majestic. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> most recently, people are focused on a bunker in northeastern Poland. But again, the trail has gone cold. Okay. So, that concludes my four theories for you on what could possibly be going on. Okay. So, the first one being uh, it's on the ship that got sunk by torpedoes. Right. The second, it was destroyed in Konigsberg. You're recurring these for a reason. I am. Three, the Soviets... Uh, sorry, yeah, the Soviets... Three is kind of two, except the Americans are involved. Right? Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah. the second one is that the Russians have it all along. Yeah, but the, the second one is that... The, the, the Russians have it all along, but then the Americans found it, and then they and were And now like, the Americans have it. Right. Both used propaganda for the, for, right. the, for the Cold War. And then the fourth being it's still hidden somewhere in a tunnel in some vast bullshit. Okay. One of those is a lie. Mm. Being that I made it up, not that it's an actual... Like, all of these are probably incorrect on where the room actually is. Right. As in three of these are actual things that people believe. And you read. Um, one of them you made up. One of them I made up. I like you giving me the opportunity to find the bullshit without. I didn't have to discover it for myself. You're like, there is some. Yeah, find it. Find it. Um, Do you want me to go through it again? Nope. The first one's a boat. Yep. The second one is the Russians have it. Uh, no, that it was destroyed. That was fully destroyed in the Battle of Konigsberg. The but like some pieces were found. Oh. oh. But instead of being like. Oh, yeah, we found a couple of pieces. Uh, no, it's fully destroyed. Can't go near it. And the U.S. did it. Oh, okay. And then the other one I is thought that... there was also an element in there that, like, they just found the pieces and then they also they... Well, that, the theory is that they say that it was destroyed. And everyone thinks it was destroyed. Right. But there are certain elements of it that they found. And also, no one was allowed to go in there. Right. That's why I thought you were implying that yeah. they did find it and they... Yeah. I think that yeah, I think right. I think it started off with it's destroyed and they did it, right. but we secretly kind of still have it. Right. Yeah. Or the Americans found it and then didn't know what to do with it and kept it and then used the propaganda. They've just like doubled down. Right. Like yeah, you guys did this, so we're gonna do the exact and the same thing. The last one is like it's in a cut cave or a tunnel or a lagoon. Yeah, in some underground thing that you can't really find. I'm gonna go with the boat one. The first one. Yeah. It's incorrect. Ah, oh, that damn. is that is people actually believe it was on the Wilhelm Gustloff. Okay. Yep. So which one's false? I made up the U.S. part. Oh. Yeah. Should have known. Yeah, the Battle of Stalingrad was in World War One. Oh. So I was a little bit of an asshole when you were like, I asked, and you were like, yeah, no, it was just. A-. I was like World War Two, and you're like, just after. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean just? A-? I actually, yeah. I bumped on that. I was like. I mean, just after there was a battle that happened right after World War II. That doesn't check out. That's not a thing. I'm like, actually, you know what? I'm saying this very confidently. I think the battle Battle of Stalingrad was in 
World War One, right. but it, it could have been in World War Two. Right. But it had either nothing, way. It had I should have, to do I should with have paid anything. attention to you being like, oh no, just after. Yeah. Like you clearly were trying to defer me from I the question. I was absolutely trying to move on. So from that's it. my own. I fault. was hoping that you did not know when the Battle of Stalingrad was. I did not. Um. But yeah, that's. But what I should it, have known it wasn't after World War Two, but I did not. No. Um. So in nineteen, I'm going to keep going. I'm oh, not completely done. Oh. Yeah. Um. So in 1979, the Soviet government decided to construct a replica of the Amber Room. Okay. A process that was to take 24 years and require 40 Russian and German experts in Amber craftsmanship. Using original drawings and old black and white photographs, every attempt was made to duplicate the original Amber Room. They couldn't do it. This included the 350 different shades of amber in the original panels and fixtures that encompassed the entire room. What? A major problem was the lack of skilled workers, since amber carving was nearly a lost art form. Yeah. (laughs) Very obviously so. By 2003, the work of the Russian craftsmen was mostly completed. The, uh, they f- the found amber jewels and mosaics were used in its reconstruction. Oh. It cost nearly $11 million to complete. The new room was dedicated by Russian President Vladimir Putin and German Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder at the 300th anniversary of the city of St. Petersburg. Wow. As I read that just then, I was going... Okay, so the the Russians decided they were going to create a replica of the room. So if they had possession of the room all along, they would just put it up. They, they just would just it. stand it back up and be like, right. "This is a replica. <laughs> it looked just like this." But but why would they just be like, "It was ours in the first place"? The because Nazis then stole it, would, it. But then it would be. It would belittle all of that oh, propaganda. All the propaganda they did before, which they would have been proven as a lie. It's like all of all of this stuff. It's like the assassination of JFK, the moon landing, like all these conspiracy theories. If mm. they ended up proven to be what the conspiracy theories were, yeah. they're way too far gone. Like so many yeah. massive decisions were made based on those yeah. historic events. Being they can't fact, yeah. they can't simply go. Boz, we're lying about that. Yeah. You fell yeah, for that. True. Yeah. Remember this war that we started? Like imagine nine eleven. Yeah. That the conspiracy oh. theories of 9-11 were real. Yeah. And they caused the entire Iraq and Afghanistan war and all the lives dead and everything like that. Ha- like, even if, which is outlandish, but even if the U.S. had involvement in it, there's yeah. no way they could ever go back. There'd be no. anarchy beyond oh, measure. Oh, I just heard planes going overhead, bud. What do you mean? Like, they're on to us. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. you said yeah, that yeah. at all. My IP address has already been long compromised. Oh, yeah. We're now not. your actual address is compromised. Yeah, fact. <laughs> um, so like, let's, let's keep something flying over Alice Drive at all times. At all times. <laughs> so Fact Feast's video, Where is the Amber Room, summarized my conclusion and the mystery quite nicely. Okay. And I quote, The search for the Amber Room has been clouded by controversies, which may be more than unfortunate coincidences. Or some darker forces at play. (laughs) Firstly, it's told that Alfred Rode, the director of the Konigsberg Castle Museum, died of typhus just as the KGB were investigating the room. Mysterious? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Another story goes that a Russian intelligence officer known as General Gusev met an untimely end in a car crash after talking to journalists about the missing Amber Room in 1992. Okay. Finally, there is a grim. Finally, there is the grim tale of the former German soldier George Stein 
an Amber Room hunter who was brutally killed in a Bavarian forest in 1987. By, Dis- by whom? No one knows? Mm, don't know. Despite such a diverse range of hypotheses and several investigations that led nowhere, the location of the Amber Room remains a mystery. Mm, I like it. I want to watch. Did you watch a thing on it? Uh, there was read? normally I'll watch like the hour long documentary yeah. and then I'll just yeah you, you usually watch much more than I do which I'm yeah. curious because I like um, watching stuff. There was only like five to ten minute short videos. Oh, okay. Because like the theories are kind of bullshit. Like right. each one of them is like sure who probable, cares? but yeah. like there's no like meat. Yeah. It's all like, well, there's a tunnel down by the east coast of yeah. the Czech Republic. Every time we find a new tunnel, we're like, is the Amber Room in here? Nope. Also, is like Neil Armstrong's ghost in here? Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's there's not a lot of like meat to any of right. the theories. So like yeah. there's not a lot of fact to like that takes time to explain. Right. It's always some weird tunnel or like hidden military base or like something yeah. strange like that. And then when you go back in the history, the room itself, there's not a lot of historic umph either. Right. Like it was constructed in the 1700s. It took 10 years. Mm. It got moved f- probably three times in its history for insignificant reasons. Yeah. And then the big thing happened in 1941 when Germany invaded. Yeah. And that's when it all... It, you know what I mean? Right. It's like... It's not a 45-minute documentary. No. It's like no. 10 minutes worth of content. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? That you just stretched out to a half an hour. But sure. Mm. <laughs> why let the truth get in the way of a good story? Seriously. Yeah, why Especially let the when truth get in the way of good story? Anyway. Right? Can't let the truth get in the way of a good story. No. If you don't know what truth is. Honest or not. I'm telling you right now. So there's the Amber Room, buddy. There is the Amber Room. I'm really surprised you didn't pick, pick the U.S. I for sure thought you were going to see right through that and be like, oh, you made that up. In hindsight, I should have. Yeah. But I was trying to find for the one that stood out when I should have been looking for the one that was too similar. Because you just didn't change. Like, you know what I mean? It was like... I thought I... It was an addition to the previous one, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. But that's partly why I was like, that must be true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, stumped again, Jeffrey. Stumped again. Uh, So another exciting episode, my friend. This is episode four of season three. Yep. Reminder, next episode... I should sit up for this, I guess, now that we're concluding. Yes. Episode five is going to be live. (gasps) Episode five is live, baby! And let's drink five alives. Oh, yeah. Go into like a diabetic coma. I mean, you're halfway there. Uh, you got one foot in a diabetic. Yeah, one foot in a diabetic coma as it is. (laughs) Um, So that's going to be very exciting. Yep. So that will be great. Um... Don't forget, everybody, to follow us on Instagram and Facebook because things like these live episodes are happening. And if you're not following us, you may not know. Yep. We haven't actually figured out logistically if it's going to be through the Splain and Facebook page or not, but it is going to be through Facebook. So make sure at least to go follow us as we give you updates on potential topics that we're going to discuss because it is going to be a little bit of a special episode where it is the day before or the night before I get married. Uh, it may not be something related to that, but if, if nothing else is going to have interesting conversation. Nothing else is going to distract Jeff from the impending doom of marriage. That's literally the only reason why I'm doing it. I've had like six people message me be like, Jeff, that's awfully ballsy to do that the night before the wedding. <laughs> Did you? I'm like, bye. I just Gotta need, kill time somehow. I, like, on, otherwise, I'll walk a hole through the floor. Yeah. Pacing back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's super exciting. Uh, so make sure you go and follow us uh, on those social media platforms mm-hmm. also if you have a topic that you would like us to explain or, or pete or pete <laughs> um 
we uh, we actually received a lot of emails. Uh, I know we haven't responded back to them, but we did receive them and we intend on doing them. So worry not, friends. Uh, but if you uh, have a topic you'd like us to do, em- email us at infodesplanin at gmail.com. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. Pause. Be mindful of the 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 mic and the arm of the microphone. Because it's the I really want to lie out, Jeff. You can just point the goddamn thing down and stick the mic up. You hole. Oh, start overrolling. No, we don't have to. This could all just be a part of it. It's a part of my f***ing life, so... Um, yes, I am, and deal with it, okay? Not you. I mean, mostly you. Yes. No. Um, I'm the, if I'm the worst part of your life, you must have some good life.